0: The following audio content is a talk given at The Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. As many of you know, I live here in the neighborhood, and based on my observation, there was a lot of moving happening uh, this weekend, I saw uh, gaggles of people is that even a, is that even a term a gaggle i don 't know how ex- geese it's a, really it is I knew that i 'd heard it someplace all right well there were, there were gaggles of geese college student geese and people in the neighborhood that were moving this weekend. I saw them moving stuff into and out of cars and and trucks and, and then of course, there are those those moments where you have that piece of furniture that it's just not going to fit around the corner of that stairwell going up. Either that or you're just tired of it. So, of course, it ends up out on the median or something like that. I, I was able to walk through the neighborhood and, and get a few pictures of that, you know, or it ends up on on the parking strip or something like that. There, Yeah, there you go. Uh, sometimes it has a sign on it that says free. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but as, as you've heard, one person's trash is another person's treasure. I know of at least two people that scoured the neighborhood saying, hey, there's a lot of stuff out there that might work for me. I know one person that picked up a couple of tables and a lamp, another person that picked up a microwave. Uh, even though only a handful of the, of the buttons actually work, their math is going to improve because, you know, they can't, the two doesn't work, so they can't do two minutes. They have to, have to do like one minute, 70 seconds. <laughs> Okay, so maybe, maybe you are one of those people that, uh, that was throwing stuff out on the, on the median this weekend. Uh, I didn't have to move, uh, though I got my fill of moving activity. Uh, I, cleaned, I, I cleaned out my office, or at least I, I tried to. Uh, one of the things I did was, was I took some old things down and tried to replace it with uh, some new things. For example, many of you have been on our trip to the Dominican Republic. Over the years, I have accumulated trophies uh, from our baseball exploits down there in the Dominican. There they are. And I moved those from my office to the mission coordinator's office, in part because the one on the right is actually broken. Believe it or not, it was actually taller but the baggage, it, it got broken in the baggage on the way home. So go into Ryan Andrews and Chris Thurton's office and you will see some broken trophies in their office. Good for them. They're, they are an award winning staff, to be sure. I was able to, to put up some new things in my uh, office as well, but the other thing that I did was I dusted. Okay, you know, where you, there, there's, there's surfaces in my office where lint and dust and a bunch of other crap accumulate. Like this is a room that I use a lot. I mean, I'm I'm in there more or less every every day. I spend a lot of hours in there and the amount of dust that accumulated particularly on this one surface surface on top of the cabinet was like a small snowstorm had rolled through. Like when when there's I know it was it was actually really disgusting. One of those things where, where when it snows that much outside, I actually try to build a snowball and hit somebody with it. And this was just like, I'm actually fighting back a gag re- reflex just thinking about how much dust there was in my office. Like it was the amount of dust that you would expect in an abandoned building, but not in an inhabited office. It was, it, was, it was nasty. So I stand in solidarity with those of you that had to move, maybe did a little bit of dusting this weekend. Anybody in here have to move this weekend? Hands in the air, Okay. Way to go. I, I, uh, I, feel your, I feel your pain. Do you have to do any dusting? Carpet cleaning, maybe? Carpet cleaners? Yeah, there was some carpet cleaners in there. Um, anybody spackle? Anybody have to do any spackling? Do you know what spackle is? The stuff that you put on walls to fill in the holes. Okay, There was one house that I lived in right after I graduated that I'm convinced the wall was actually more spackle than anything else. Um, it, it was definitely not uh, a flat wall. Well, here, here's what I'm leaning into, okay? Moving season means that it, it is also lease season. Now, is there anybody in this room that still doesn't have a place to live in the fall? Lease season that wants to be on a lease? My guess is that there's plenty of people that are kind of sick and tired of dealing with leases and dealing with subletters and and, uh, and, and things like that, um, but leases, they're, an, they're uh, an experience that you have in college. They're, they're an experience that you have any time you move. And on the one hand, leases can feel like a rather heavy burden, right? It's outlining that you better come up with this amount of cash by this day of the month. If not, there's going to be a, you know, a $25 a day charge with compounding interest, on, you know yada, 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 right? Uh, it, it can feel like a bit of a, of, of a heavy burden. Um, but on the other hand, it's there, of course, to protect you as well, uh, so that your monthly rent is not based on the spending whims of your landlord. Uh, it outlines one number that you that you pay for there. And so what it is, a lease is, is ultimately intended to be this agreement that has both parties in mind, right? It says, you will pay this much. And in return, you will get a, a, an adequately livable property to live in. And, and um, on the other hand, it, it says that the landlord has, has also has a responsibility to make sure that it is adequately livable. So it, it, ultimately, it is a type of mutual agreement that, you, that both people really promise to do. Well, what we want to look at over the next three weeks is that we're going to do a, a three-week, if we can call it a mini-series, that we're just going to call The Promise. Where what we're going to do is examine a little bit more closely the promise that God gives us to be present with us. Okay, now, this is really important. Uh, for those of you that are in this room that might be, might be early in your faith journey, perhaps you're even exploring the faith for the first time. Um, if it is worth pursuing to find out if, if this God is real, if this God is true, I would argue that you better like the promise that God gives you in scripture to be present. It also comes out of this conviction that often I find myself to be what I might call a bit of a practical atheist. Okay, what do I mean by that? I mean that, of course, I, I'm, I'm a pastor, right? I stand before you having a conviction of faith, believing that the Bible is true and that, and that the God that is outlined there um, in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is real, okay? And I say that, and I can stand in front of you and it kind of rolls off my tongue. I don't have to think about it all that much, but really, there's a lot of my day-to-day life in action and thought where effectively it looks as if I don't believe. I don't want that for me. And I don't want that for you. I don't want you to be able to to say one thing and then practically be an atheist. If we're going to say that this thing is true, there's got to be a little bit more to it, right? Right? And my conviction, and, what I, and, and the, the conviction that I hope we can unpack the next three weeks, that, that one of the most important parts of the promise that the God of the universe gives to us is the promise in the great declaration of Hebrews 13 to be with you always. This God that will be with you always and the promise is that this God will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, if that's true, what does that mean for the upcoming academic year? What does it mean for our fall? What does it mean for you in the place where you just signed that lease? Because in part, what it means is that God is there. God is, is already there. God went before you, and God will come behind you. And so what we're going to do uh, this, this month, over the next three weeks, is tonight we're going to start out by looking at the nature of the promise that God gives to us. Next week, uh, many of you are familiar with Dwayne Morris. How many of you take an apologetic class? I see a lot of people in here that I know have. Okay, Dwayne Morris is uh, a guy who, who leads these classes in our neighborhood here that helps people better understand the, the good reasons uh, for the faith, the good reasons to, to trust that what the Bible says is true. And he's gonna come next week and talk about why we can trust the incarnation, why we can trust that God would come in Jesus Christ. And then in a few weeks, we're going to see how that promise is sealed and how we are empowered by looking at the Holy Spirit. And Janie's going to lead us through that. So it should be a good time. I invite you to come back uh, and and hear about Jesus next week and the Holy Spirit uh, the week after that. And my hope in this is that we might be inspired as we start a new academic year to live believing that God is actually with us that that promise is true, and to get a vision for how we might be influenced or changed if we believe that God is not far away, but rather that God is close, and that God is with you in this moment, and that God is with you in every moment. And so we're going to start tonight by exploring God's promise to us. And to do this, We're going to look way back into the Old Testament at some of the promises that God makes to us. And I hope that you will see, I'm confident you will, that God is a whole bunch different than your landlord, even if that landlord's a pretty good landlord. Let's pray as we get started. God, help us. Uh, We want to understand you a little bit more. We want to know your presence with us. And so be our teacher. We pray that, that we could hear your word, that it would come alive to us and that you would steer us towards you and away from the ways that we might be tempted towards that type of practical atheism. So God, uh, help us out as, as we uh, come to your word tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's shift from talking about leases to talking about something that is similar but entirely different at the same time. Instead of talking about leases, we're going to talk about what the Old Testament calls a covenant. Now, what is a covenant? What is this word? A covenant is a binding agreement that is intended to bring greater cohesion and cooperation between two parties. Okay, So in that way, in that respect, it's not unlike that lease that we talked about. A binding agreement that's intended to to provide a a sense of, of being on the same page. Uh, cohesion, cooperation. But instead of signing on a paper, on a piece of paper like we do with a lease or a contract with a lawyer or a notary or somebody present, um, in Old Testament times, uh, there was an animal involved and it was the sacrifice of an animal. And essentially what the sacrifice of this animal would mean when two parties would come together and make a covenant. Maybe it was two tribes or two nations, two kings. And and they they would come to their agreement and then they would sacrifice an animal. And essentially the meaning of that sacrifice was to say, if you break this covenant, may it be unto you as happened to this animal that you would be torn in two. Now, I bring that up to say that when we talk about covenant, we have to start by thinking about covenant as something that was not entered into lightly, lest you be shredded in two, lest you be sacrificed. Okay, it was something that was done very deliberately. In the same way as you get ready to sign a lease, my guess is that you read over the lease and you take time to understand the terms of the, ingre- of the agreement a little bit more than say when you download the latest app and you just check all the boxes that say, yeah, I agree, whatever. Facebook can know everything about me they want, my location at all times and whatever. Okay, for me, I know that I often just kind of hit the, the box that checks all the boxes even though I don't read it all, Okay. That's not the nature of a covenant. A covenant was something that you would enter into very, very deliberately. Um, The other place that we see great examples of covenants that might help us understand, Becca understands this as she got married uh, a couple weeks ago. I've done about 75 weddings now. And before we ever get to the place where we're exchanging the promises where we're actually giving the vows, right? There's this really important uh, moment in a wedding ceremony where we, that we call the questions of intent. And the questions of, of intent are where you ask the per- the, the both you know, the groom and the bride, do you come here freely offering yourself, receiving this person as your wife, according to the commandments of God in holy marriage, do you? That's the part where you say, I do. You don't say, I do at the vows. You say, I do at the question of intent to say, I understand that I'm entering into this covenant and it's a big deal, okay? Marriage is a covenantal relationship. We don't enter into it lightly, okay? Understand that about the nature of a covenant, okay? So with that in mind, you know, probably more important than the actual verbiage of the promises you make is understanding who it is you're making a covenant with. That's the foundational part of entering into a covenant relationship. Now, with that in mind, we want to go back to the Old Testament and we discover that it is God who is the one who initiates this covenant with God's people. Let me give you a few examples that are pretty uh, significant examples throughout the Old Testament. Okay? The word that, that we often translate is, as testament is honestly probably better translated as covenant. All right, first, uh, first we see God entering into a covenant with Noah by essentially saying, go build a boat and I will rescue you when the rest of the world gets destroyed. Okay? We have some, uh, some visuals of this from our good friends at the, big, at, at the Brick Testament the next Lego movie, maybe they'll do a a biblical epic out of it, right? Um, God gives the rainbow as a sign of God's covenant that says, hey, you're okay with me even when you're not. Okay, we're not gonna wipe out the world again. In fact, our brothers and sisters in the Jewish tradition see the rainbow as a promise, not only for second chances, but for hundredth and 200th chances. Okay, then we see God entering into a covenant with Abraham. By saying, you will be blessed and I will make your descendants, your children numerous, and I will bless them. And in return, you are to be a blessing. You are to be a a blessing to the world. You will be blessed and you will be a blessing. Okay, a little, uh, for those of you that like to read the Bible and are trying to understand the Bible, whenever you see the name Abraham any place in scripture, one of the things that you should think about, that you should remember that helps you understand who Abraham is, is this initial covenant made to Abraham, which is you are blessed to be a blessing. That promise is one that ends up being very significant in how we read and understand scripture in both the Old Testaments and the New Testaments because Abraham is brought up so much. So keep that in mind about Abraham. Okay, then uh, God, um, both of those examples come to us from the book of, of Exodus, or from the book of Genesis, then we get into the book of Exodus. And after the people have been led away from slavery in Egypt through Moses, there's our Lego Moses right there. Um, Through this event that we call, guess what? The Exodus. God through Moses then enters into a very significant covenant with his people. And to get a better understanding of that and to even hear it, we're gonna invite Bailey uh, to come up And you can hear the words of the Lord, the word of the Lord uh, that was given to Moses through our intern, Bailey. Give it up for Bailey, everybody. Okay, so this comes from Exodus 19 and starts at verse 3. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be, for me, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together we will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. Thank you, Bailey. So God, the one who rescues people from slavery, has promised to make these people his people. Author Richard Foster summarizes this whole covenant, this relationship that God enters into by giving us a question that is posed from the point of view of God. And the question that helps us understand covenant that that Foster gives us is simply this. I will be with you. Will you be with me? I will be with you. Will you be with me? And in the text that Bailey just read for us, what we're told is that God gives this invitation. I will make you a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And then it says, the people said, we will do this. They answer, yes, we will be with you. They want to be with him. Okay, it's a really important question. Now, often when we hear of covenant, and sometimes when we get into the Old Testament, there is this temptation to think of this this kind of distant, if not a little bit vindictive and angry God. Okay, we have some really sometimes messed up images of who God is. Okay, now, I think it's really important that we see God as big and powerful here. He did, after all, just lead the people out of Egypt via the Red Sea by, by separating the water and having them go across on dry land. Pretty powerful stuff. But there is also a tenderness that I think is, is really significant in the way that God enters into covenant with his people okay, we need to keep both of these things together. Uh, this is something that I've got, a, I've got two, two sons with a third on the way in November, pray for me. Um, and, and the two-year-old is one who has has taught me a little bit about what, what the, answering this question, um, I will be with you, will you be with me, is like. Um, as he was getting, as Colin was learning how to talk and getting a little bit more mobile, uh, one of the most common things that he would do is he would come up to me and he would grab my hands and, and he would pull me to whatever it is he was trying. To. He would go, I'm on, dad, I'm on. Um, which translation, what he said was, come on, dad, come with me, be with me. Come see what I'm doing. Come sit down with me, come play with me. That I think that there's, there's I want us to keep that tension in mind. Uh, This is, on the one hand, we are talking about the God that leads the people out from under Pharaoh's brow in Egypt. And yet there's a tenderness to say, I want to be with you. That's covenant. Is that the way that you think about this promise? Well, what follows in the balance of Exodus 19 is an experience of physically, mentally, spiritually responding to to God's invitation in this relationship. The fancy word that we use for this is is consecration. And then in chapter 20, we get to the 10 commandments, which would be like those wedding vows, those promises that that you hear couples exchange at a a wedding ceremony. These are 10 rules. Sometimes I think of them as simple but when we look at them, I, I, I think that, that I, I might remove the word simple and say they're profound rules for being in that type of cohesive or cooperative relationship with God and neighbor, neighbor that defines what covenant is. Okay, to remind us of the, the Ten Commandments, and those of you who grew up in the church are probably pretty familiar with some of these. That that and and if you are you know that that this this covenant that is extended here that is unpacked in the Ten Commandments I think we have a, a slide to help you uh, to help remind you of these. Um, you know the the way that you could summarize it is that the first four are there to help you remember what it means to love God. The next six are there to help you uh, to give you ideas on what it means to love your neighbor. Now, it's easy probably for you to look up on the screen here and go, okay, um, thou shalt have no other gods before me, okay? I don't, I don't, I don't have any other gods, check. Um, thou shalt not make any, uh, unto, unto thee any graven image, okay? You're not going to make idols for yourself, okay? Uh, certainly none of you are out there forging a golden calf, okay? Uh, it would be easy for you to look at, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Check, check. All right, I'm good. I want us to look a little bit deeper on this Uh, because the reality is, is that if God in entering into a covenant relationship with us, if God is initiating it, God is committing to us. God is committing to us. The 10 commandments give us an idea of what it looks like for us to commit to God. And so I ask you to look at these 10 commandments and just quickly look at it and go, how you doing? Practical atheist? We're committed. I look at something like the second commandment, okay, which is ultimately addressing idolatry. And if you ever find yourself in a place of going, when I have X, then everything will be okay. When I do this, then everything will be okay. I want to urge you to unpack that maybe you're on a trail that would lead you towards idolatry. That would lead you away from trusting God and trusting something else. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. While Jesus redefines Sabbath for us uh, in conversations with the Pharisees, uh, I often hear in a college culture, people essentially having conversations where it becomes a competition to see who is busiest, who has the craziest schedule, who can't squeeze this in or that in? We brag about how we break the fourth commandment. It's given as a gift. There's a lot of you that in, I think most of you, I think Becca and I and Duane might be the only ones that, that from a legal standpoint um, have, have an issue with adultery. But what about lust? Do you look at people and take them for your own in your mind? Hey, I'll I'll stand before you and say, it's something that I have to take before the Lord. What is our commitment to God and to the God who has committed to us? Now, I don't bring these things up to make you feel like you suck, okay? Okay. I don't want that for you and I don't want that for myself. As much as I want us to remember that God has committed deeply to us, has initiated a covenant relationship with us and then has given us this idea on what it looks like to be committed to God. And to the degree that I often end up feeling crummy about my own faith or frankly even about myself, I can look back at these things and go, often it's because I'm not committed to living in that cohesive, cooperative, covenantal relationship with God. I don't want that for us. I don't want practical atheism for us because the promise is that God is with you and God is real and God has promised to be with us always. So what? What do we do with all this covenant stuff then? Why is it important? Three things before we we close up here. Simply this. First, it reminds us that God wants to be with us. Okay, think about this for a second. God didn't have to enter into relationship with us. God chose to enter into relationship with us. With Noah, with Abraham, with Moses, with Jeremiah, of course in Jesus, God initiates the, the covenantal relationship. Most of the time when I think about my relationship with God, the onus is entirely on me. I get to thinking that God probably only wants to be with me if I don't suck. Now, I know that a lot of us can tend to to think like this. We look around and we see the people that we live with or we we spend too much time on social networks and one way or another, we find ourselves thinking they are far more lovable than we are. We then take on the burden of trying to make ourselves more likable or lovable uh, than we are. That's thinking about ourselves, way more than we think about God. A God that establishes a covenant with us is a God that is taking the lead to say, I want to be with you. Will you be with me? In the Bible, God does this. Do you realize this? God does this before they ever get themselves right. Before you ever get yourself right, the reality is that God wants to be with you. That's the significance of the promise that is embedded in this covenant. God wants to be with you. When was the last time you thought about that? God wants to be with you. Second thing is this, just addressing the question, well, what if we break the covenant? What if we don't hold up our end of the deal? Well, that's kind of the beauty of this covenant is that it really can't be broken Okay, that's the, one of the major differences between a contract and a covenant, right? That once a contract is broken, it's null and void. Even if just a small bit of the contract is broken, the whole thing is gone. Where in a covenant, even when you fall short, it remains. Okay, I like to think of myself as a fairly decent husband. I celebrated my 12th anniversary this year. Okay, I'm, I'm doing all right. I mean, you know, I wash the dishes occasionally. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I only watch football, you know, during football season. Uh, you know, I, I get up with the kids every now and then, (laughs) okay? I like to think I'm not a bad husband, okay? But the reality is that when I look at the vows that I made to Julianne Wilson on July 5th, 2002, um, man, I can pretty much look at all of them and think of times where I was not faithful to that covenant. When we break the covenant, God holds up God's end of the deal. But here's the thing. When we break the covenant, God holds up our end of the deal as well. We're gonna hear a little bit more about that when, when Dwayne talks about Jesus next week. Okay, we need God's help to hold up our end of the deal. And so to the degree that we have anxiety about, but I break the, co- I mess this up all the time. Those 10 commandments, man, I'm like, I'm like one for 10. The, the promise of a covenant is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We are in this together. Um, and so let's go. And finally this, and Chris, Chris actually addressed this in our, uh, in our call to worship the covenant invites us away from fear. I think one of our greatest fears as humans would be to find ourselves totally alone. C.S. Lewis notes that hell is a place where the only voice that you ever hear is your own. That is to say, hell is a place of total isolation. Once again, the wisdom of my two-year-old son, Colin, um, often alerts me to, to this. It happens, um, it happens, in really two, two common circumstances. Either we are packing up and Colin can tell that we're getting ready to leave the house, or uh, we are in the car, our whole family's in the car, and then mom gets out, dad gets out, big brother gets out, and inevitably I'll hear Carson say, don't leave me, okay? This fear of being alone. I believe that Colin's fear uh, tells us a little bit about the fear that is embedded in all of us. This two-year-old is sharing something that's just kind of foundational in all of us. Fear, the fear of, of being alone. You're invited away from that fear because God has promised through a covenant to say, I will be with you. Will you be with me? God wants to be with you. You can't break the covenant. And so we don't have to fear. What if this fall quarter you didn't fear? What if we were able to give that up entirely? And so my hope for us this fall quarter, wherever you may be doing, wherever you live, wherever you go to school, whatever is on your agenda, that somehow the presence of God might be more real to you. I share a a word like this tonight because I want you to change your thinking about how you think about God and what you have to do to somehow get God to be present to you. The God of the Bible has said, I have initiated and entered into a relationship with you. I have. I want to be with you. Will you be with me? Let's make that real. Resolve to make that real this fall quarter. So my hope is that when you are confused or angry, that you will discover that God is there. My hope is that when you find yourself experiencing success or joy, that you will also experience that God is there. That when you find yourself in that place of desperation, being overwhelmed by questions and doubt, that maybe not in the moment, but maybe even in a few moments, weeks, months removed, that you'd be able to look back and say, yes, indeed, God was there. My hope is that that promise will be real to you, that you would sensitize yourself to the reality of God's presence with you. My hope is that this would be a community. As we begin to fill this room throughout the course of this month and on the last Tuesday of September, man, I hope we have to bust the walls out of here because you all bring a friend and we turn up the music and we share this hope that we are not alone and that the love of God is real and available to each and every one of us because God has entered into a covenant with us. That covenant has been made known has been seen in the cross and blood of Jesus Christ and then sealed with the Holy Spirit. Come back in the next couple of weeks so we can talk a little bit more about this. Let's pray. God, thank you that your promise to us is real, that you uh, are present with us, that you want to be with us. May we know and may we experience the joy that you get uh, from grabbing onto our hands, us, even us, your beloved children. Lord, be real to us tonight and throughout this quarter. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.